Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with world-class sight fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. I'm your host, Captain Judd Brock, and today I sit down with kayak angler Medell out of Virginia Beach. A lot of you might know him by his Instagram handle, CloudBreakMods, and all the giant speckled trout pictures he posts. We talk about kayak fishing, fishing at night, and of course, targeting giant speckled trout. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast, as well as other video content that you can't find on YouTube. We're excited to announce the Eastern Current Online Angler Series that will be kicking off this spring with a three-tournament artificial-only redfish series. You can fish all three tournaments in the series or just one. The tournaments will be hosted through the iAngler app and you can participate from any state. The first tournament will be March 24th and 25th with an online captain's meeting the night before hosted through our Facebook page. The redfish tournament will consist of your longest three redfish per day under 32 inches. This is just the start to our online angler series and we're excited to bring you many more tournaments for redfish, speckled trout, flounder, and more. If you're interested in fishing the Spring Redfish Trail, be sure to check out the link to the tournament in our podcast show notes. There you can register for the tournament as well as view a full list of all the rules and regulations. Feel free to reach out to us on Instagram as well if you have any questions. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Medell, thanks, man, for joining me on the podcast. I mean, this has been a year in the making. Uh, you've been on my the top of my hit list for people that I really want to get on here and chat with. So I do appreciate you joining me. No, thanks for having me. It's been, yeah, it's been a year in the making because our schedules just can't align, you know, with work <laughs> yeah. and, and family and, and obviously fishing. Yeah, fishing been, is important. It's been tough. Fishing is yeah, important. Family, is. family is more important, but fishing, fishing for is right sure, there, right there sure. behind it. <laughs> yep. 
Um, but yeah, man. So I thought what we talk about, like we just discussed pre-show here, was you know big speckled trout. I feel like you're really well known uh, in your area as well as up and down the East Coast for catching big speckled trout from a kayak, whether you want to admit it or not. And uh, <laughs> and so I wanted to pick your brain about that, and and am excited to do so. Cool. Um, and I, I guess our kind of relationship started when you started with with uh, Eye Strike. That kind of was yep, the connection right. for you and yeah. me. Uh, to start chatting, but you're up in uh, Virginia area. Kind of tell people where you are, where what not what wa- exact water you fish, but kind of the, the general place on the East Coast that you're you're located. I live in the city of Virginia Beach, um, about a mile geographically off of the oceanfront. Uh, so I'll fish everywhere. We've got so much water around here, whether it's Linhaven Inlet, Rudy Rudy Inlet, um, uh, Elizabeth River. I mean up onto the peninsula it's really wherever wherever the trout or where redfish take me heck yeah being a kayak angler do you feel like that area has a decent amount of uh you know access for a kayak to be able to get a good water uh, in my opinion there's a ton of access That's but awesome. i also work connections as well on top of that so yeah for sure so. I, I can get i can get in and out of some of the areas pretty quickly especially at night without you know having to paddle so long from sure. uh, from the boat ramps I think that's one of the coolest things about the kayak fishing in, in some areas. Like I got some buddies that will, that have boats, but they'll do these trips down to Florida and take kayaks and access all these like landlocked areas. Um, and I know that that, that kind of stuff exists up here as well, but just cool, you know, going to catch and tarpon and snook and landlocked areas that, that you can only get to from a kayak. So uh, yeah, exactly. The access is a huge, uh, a huge bonus to kayak fishing, but all right. Kind of tell people your story, how you got into fishing and, and how it's brought you to where you are now. Uh, all right. So I hear all everybody else's stories and it's always like their dad started, you know, got them started fishing <laughs> or mine's the exact opposite. So 2017, I remember my kid said, all right, I want to start fishing because he'd been watching some YouTube videos. Um, and I didn't know anything about fishing. I'd never fished before, never owned a rod before, rod and reel before. So I told my wife, all right, this one's yours. Yeah, anything else I'll take care of, but this one's yours. She grew up on the intercoastal okay. uh, in Panama City, actually. Oh, cool. And so, um, you know, they went out bought a Walmart rod and reel, drop, double dropper rigs, and some, uh, uh, what are those things called? Fish bites, right? And oh, yeah. went to the pier, had their, you know, didn't have any luck at all. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe three or four weeks into it, I said, all right, let me try. <laughs> so I took them out there, and I didn't have much luck either. And then we figured it out um, and started catching little spots, you know, tiny little fish, and we are having a blast. Um, and he wanted to keep going. So 2018 rolls around that next year, I bought myself my own rig. And by then he had switched his focus to freshwater. So we were out there catching bass in, in little neighborhood retention ponds. And right across the street, there's a storage facility. It's got a retention pond back there. So we, we got access from those guys and we were having a blast out there. And to be honest with you, I mean, we'd go four or five trips without catching anything and then that one trip where you catch one little bass whether it's a whether it's a one pounder or two pounder three pounder at best in those little retention ponds behind yeah. that place man it kept us going we awesome. we get skunked four or five times come back get a fish skunk four or five times again just keep coming back we were hooked on it that's sick um 
But by then, uh, later on in 2018, uh, ran into a buddy of mine uh, while, while he and I, my son and I were out fishing and he rolls up in a Hobie kayak and I said, man, that is awesome. So probably four months after that, November, uh, I had my own and that's really what started it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the kayak, when, once you set down in a kayak, that really kind of lit the fire for you. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, being a, being a land-based angler, you know, going to wherever you can access. And I mean, it really holds you tight to where you are and what's going on in that spot at that moment. Whereas you get in a kayak and you can really pick spots apart and move on and, and you're just more in keyed with the water, what's going on. Definitely. Now, would you say with a kayak, and I feel like I get this from a lot of kayak anglers, you could be like, Hey man, I'll, I'll give you a free boat of your choice for that kayak to fish off of, and they would probably choose to stay in their kayak. Do you feel, do you feel that way that it's a better tool for you the way you like to fish than a boat could be? Well, I'm a business guy, so I would take that deal and then go buy another <laughs> kayak. <laughs> That's that. And in, in this game, that, that rule is, there's a rule that you can't do that. Okay. All right. Just so, solely for how you like to fish and how you like to pick water apart. And it doesn't have to be, but do, do you feel that a kayak is a better tool for you than a boat would be? The way I fish right now, I think kayaking is, is, is better for me. Yeah. For sure. I feel like I mean, a lot you, of guys are like, I would love to have a boat that I could take my kayak places with. Right. So I'll be in a spot, just for instance, I'll be in a spot and I'm working the crap out of this spot, right? And I know, given the, given the specific tide, the water temp, you know, the wind direction, all those things, that it will turn on. This is where they should be when they start eating. Um, I'll have people pull up near me and cast 20 times and then leave. Yeah. And a few minutes later, or an hour later, I'm on them, right? Yeah. So whether they go off to a different area and find them on their own, who knows? But I, I, I've not missed those opportunities, right? Yeah. It makes you work the spots that you have in front of you. Um, you know, I've got a range. I've done about 15 miles in a kayak uh, once. <laughs> once. Yeah. And, and that's a full day of just hard work. But, yeah. uh, for the most part, I can, I can work a, work a couple of miles and get exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I feel like sometimes having that motor on the back of the boat, it can, can be what screws you up for the day because you can't, you, you don't sit still. You, as soon as yep. you feel like it's not playing out, you're like, I need to move somewhere else, somewhere else. The next thing you know, you're five hours into your day and you haven't really fished anything hard. And I, yeah, I yeah. see that in my guiding even some days when I, when I start to struggle is, Instead of and, and both mindsets can work out for you, you know the run and gun, try to find where it's happening, or, or kind of milk a spot until it turns on. I, I know both have been successful for for myself and many others, but uh, the kayak I would say really helps you when I fish from a kayak helps me learn an area well, you know because I take yeah. I take the time to really pick it apart, and even as you're moving, you can fish. That's the really cool part about it. Yeah, so. that's right. And I, and I've moved big areas before I'll literally launch in a place and fish it until I don't, until I feel like I've spent the place and then load up and go to another spot and relaunch. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I've, I've worked multiple spots in a day. I don't know, several times. So to you, what do you feel it is that, well, first here's, here's a question before we get into this. When in, in your life of fishing, so you got the kayak or you, you saw your buddy's kayak, when did it really start to come together where you're like, I, the passion for targeting big speckled trout? Like when did, when was that born in your, in your fishing career? 
So 2018, get out there, and it was post-freeze, and we are in a mess of 13-inch trout, right? I mean, just every freaking cast you're catching. Uh, I don't know. I think I got to about 28 fish, and then I laid back. It was my first, my very first trip. Yeah. Um, after almost 30 fish, I'm just laying back watching everybody else. Uh, and, and while I had a ton of fun, I was like, is, is this what it is? <laughs> right, right. Not that there was any complaint or anything. And, um, so that entire, well, the rest of that year goes in and then I'm into 2019. I start catching some striper, having a blast. And I think it was September, 2019. I ran across a 26 and a quarter inch speckled trout and I'm looking at this thing and, and didn't even realize that they got that big. Yeah. You know, I'm brand spanking new at this right, point. Right. That was the moment. I mean, when I lit, when I got on that fish, when I hooked that fish, I thought it was a blue fish or a striper or something. Cause it was not acting like a 13 inch trout. Yeah. Um, and that that was the defining moment as to as to what I wanted to do moving forward, just to to find more of that class of fish. That's awesome. Would you consider yourself a speckled trout snob? Like, would you take that over everything else, or do you still enjoy targeting redfish and stripers up there? Those are my two. Those are my two targets, actually. It, well, three targets. So, speckled trout first and foremost, and then redfish, and then striper. Gotcha. But. Sweet. Uh, no, I'm I'm not a speckled trout snob. Yeah, not at all. Not well, your Instagram either. makes it look like you could claim that and you could get away with it. So that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of all your beautiful big trout, that that's a, supposed to be a compliment. I hope to everyone it came across that way. But no, that's cool, man. I love. I, I hearing, appreciate that. I love hearing the story of like when, especially with trout, because it's different than everything else. Because like a big redfish, the bigger they get, the dumber they are. Like the easier they are to catch if you if you can find them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But with absolutely. speckled trout, the yeah. bigger they get, the harder. Um, and and stripers are kind of the same way. It's like there's nothing. Once you find the striper, the big stripers, like they're they're easier to get to eat than than a you know a big speckled trout, if you will. Um, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm not. I don't catch big big stripers, but I, I you know here a 30, 30, 30 to thirty five inch striper. You know, if he's there and he's feeding, that's the argument. Because then it's like, oh, so do trout. But big speckled trout, they they have a place in people's heart that's different than a lot of other fish. It, it reminds me yeah. of like tarp, like fly tarpon anglers. They're just very different and very dedicated to the art and and of of catching a fish a specific way or catching a specific fish, if you will. But yeah. what would you say as a speckled trout angler, what is the most important thing to catching big fish? I kind of ask you this ahead of time, but is it being at the right spot? Is it the right time? Is it the mindset to, to, to stay out longer? Is there kind of a, an algorithm that works for you for targeting big fish? No, I, I, you know, I've been thinking about that for a while. And to me, it's, it's, I, I go when I have time to go. Yeah. That's bottom line what it is. So in my mind, I'm doing these calculations, whether I'm consciously doing them or, you know, it's just happening in my head. I pick spots based on what I feel is going to work best for me, whether it's, you know, a, a place where I can launch quickly and get to where I think they're going to be or whether it's wind direction and I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a spot where I can huddle in on my kayak and, and get, get, you know, stay away from the wind. Um, but mostly it's, 
uh, it's it's all based on my experience. I mean, most of the places that I fish for speckled trout, I've been several times right. over the past you know four years. So I'm tracking behavior in, in my head as to what they were doing this time last year. So that's that's really what I'm doing. Yeah, for so sure. So it's spot based, but there's plenty of other spots that I know that they are, and I'll pick and choose based on convenience and 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 wind direction, really. I'm curious if this, if you kind of see this play true where you are as well. And I've noticed this the more, I would say myself wanting to target big speckled trout is something that's like maybe four years old for me or five years old for me. Like I didn't really care much about trout early on in my guiding career and in fishing because I loved sight fishing so much. And then Uh same thing, I caught a big trout and I was like, and, and I saw some other people like, I was like, Oh, targeting big trout's like, it's a thing. It's kind of a, you know, it's the work behind it really drew me in just like the, just the adventure of trying to figure something out is what really draws me into fishing and whether it's a new place, a new destination, a new species, it's really fun to kind of put pieces of the puzzle together. But once I started targeting big trout, I really realized like a lot of other fish, at least where I am, that they're creatures of habit. So like I'll I'll catch big fish in the same spots year after year, if the conditions are similar, not always, but like so specific, like, there's one dock in this boat basin that I like, and I've caught citations every year on this dock, but every time I'll catch multiple fish on that dock, but there's like one side of it, and it's like the third piling back, and that's where that citation always comes from. <laughs> and it's that, it's literally that specific. And I, I, a yeah. lot of that is coincidence, but I, I, it could be a little pothole by that piling that the, that, that bigger fish kind of claims, you know? Um, do yeah. you have some, some nuances like that where you are, where you've kind of noticed that those big fish are creatures of habit in certain ways? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I go to a lot of the same. I try a lot of the same spots every single year. Yeah, right. In the few years that I've been doing this, um, and actually this year has been different for me. So it feels though. I talked to like I'm tight friends with Charlie Church and yeah. and my buddy Dan uh, Daniel Craig. He builds my rods, and I I talk to them all the time. I mean, every single day. Yeah. Um, via messenger or or text or whatever. And those are the two dudes that have really driven my focus on, and more so Charlie, because Dan is, he's a phenomenal angler, but he, his, his disciplines are uh, many different species. So, and it's, it's always huge fish that he's looking for right now. He's on striper. Um, But uh, Charlie's really been instrumental in in helping develop my intelligence on the species. Um, But this year, that's one of the things. The whole reason I bring Charlie up is because he brought to my attention a study. Um, I think it was not very good with reading all this stuff on on fishing, but <laughs> North Carolina Department of Venner, uh, Environmental Quality, I think um, NC Division of Marine Fisheries yep. does a study every year, and he was talking about how biomass in this area and in North Carolina are have decreased this year versus previous years. So, and we get this, so I'm normally in throughout the winter and throughout, you know, fall and and in the spring, I'm usually in two to six feet of water and that's why I'm targeting them. And it's usually a lot of the same places over, I've got five, um, five areas in, in our, in our, in our, um, in our waterways that I target these fish. And it's always in two to six feet of water. Yeah. I mean, 
for the last three years. And this year has been different. Uh, I actually had to go a little bit deeper. We had a little, we had a cold snap earlier on in the fall that, that drove whatever small biomass that we had into, into, into smaller pockets, into, into specific areas that were, yeah. you know, that had deeper water to them. Sure. So I actually had to change my, my whole plan because of that. Yeah. I was still getting a few in, in my normal two to six foot range areas, but not nearly as much as there were in the, in the past couple of years. Definitely. Now, when y'all got that colder snap, did y'all see much of a fish kill up there or what was it slow enough happening that the fish were able to make it to deeper water for the most part? Um, I think it was slow enough that they were able to get deeper. There was a, um, I don't know what happened a little north of us, um, but I, I've, I heard reports of, of a lot of like stunned fish swimming yeah. around sluggishly. For sure. But how many were, were seen dead, I'm, I'm not certain of that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That would be a Charlie Church question for yeah. sure. <laughs> it, it is uh Charlie is definitely one of those guys. I've had him on the podcast in the past, but he is like a science fisherman. There's people that like oh, that take it to the science, and I love that. I'm never going to be that guy. I'd love to be that guy, Me but I'm just not. Yeah. I just I, a lot of my wording and stuff that I say that is scientific. I say it like yeah. it's my information, but I was probably told it by somebody else. You know, so yeah. If I ever sound smart about out it's probably something charlie told me that's me as well that's me as well the nice thing about this podcast is i can get a lot of smart sounding things to say from other people on the podcast but if anyone has listened long enough they know it's not from me they know it's from someone much smarter than myself but yeah truth be told i'm that guy that just goes out there and grinds the heck out of it right yeah i'll go to the places i've had experience in the past um and then I mean, you look at them, you can look on Google Earth and find other spots like that. So yeah. you find other spots that are like that, similar, similar setup, similar effects with tides and winds and temperature. And I just keep trying to duplicate that success on those other spots until I grind out, you know, another to add another spot to my collection. Yeah. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for Big Reds, Cobia, Tarpon, and Jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. Do you feel like speckled trout up there are, are very current driven? Like are you usually looking for current to target big fish or are you finding fish in, in areas without much current? I'm finding fish in, in any in all current uh, conditions. Gotcha. The majority of the fish, so the majority of the spots that I fish, I've always preferred an outgoing tide. Okay. 
Um, and because of my timing, you know, I fish when I can, which is overnights typically and into morning because you have family to, you know, to hang out with during the weekends. And I'm, I'm literally a weekend warrior. Yeah. If I could, if I could get three days out in a week, that would be incredible. Yeah. So I go when I can and I've had to figure out how to fish all of those, you know, all all the different uh, phases for sure. I think that makes you a better angler in the long run of, of not being able to always choose when to fish, like to have to figure it out. It, it it shortens the learning curve if you really take it seriously. Yeah. So I take it seriously for sure. (laughs) You do take it seriously. That's, that's for dang sure. For for the, for the limited amount of time that I have out there. Yeah. I, 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 I do the best I can to learn on every trip. Yeah, like I think about myself here, and if I just went when I like right now, like low tide is the easiest time to go catch redfish because they're schooled up and they get su- sucked into little pockets and whatnot. But if I just went and yep. fished then, I wouldn't learn where any fish were at other tides, you know. So it, it's you're right having to go and fish different different tides and different moon phases and different weather conditions um, definitely help kind of jumps jump start that learning process and, and speed it up a little bit. What would you say specifically speckled trout like where you are? Not, I'm not talking about specific spots, but like what kind of things are they drawn towards structure wise and, and, and whatnot in, in the um, Virginia beach area? I'll tell you what I, uh, where I target them. I, I target them on that um, in, in a normal year, two to two to six foot range near drop offs. Yep. So when I'm out there, it's nighttime. They have less predatory pressure on them in terms of avian pressure. So they're closer to the top and they're patrolling the, the, the shallows a lot more freely than they normally would. Yep. Um, and I generally, a lot of people think that I'm fishing lights, you know, dock lights and things. I'm looking for those darkest areas, you know, where they can be free to do whatever they want. Thank you. Um, and I'm at night, you can really, there's, there's enough ambient light out there. You can see, and if it's real slick out, you can see clearly what the bait or, bait's doing right under, you know, right under the water. And you can hear so much better at night on top of that. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all, that's what I'm fishing is two to two to six feet of water at, on ledges. If it's outgoing, I'm looking for little outflow creeks, you know, little drain creeks. Yeah. Um, where baits getting flushed out and you can do that at night and during the day. Um, it, it seems to work for me. What's the main forage in your area from like, you know, let's say fall through spring kind of trout season, if you will, what, what would you say the fish are feeding on predominantly? Uh, mullet. Mullet. Yep. Do y'all have, do y'all have a, a decent amount of, of smaller mullet around throughout the winter or a lot of the bigger bigger mullet no we've got we've got finger mullet during the winter for that, sure that's awesome yeah we uh we see that a lot north of us it's hard to come across surprisingly where i am in wilmington uh the finger mullet in the winter but up in the pamlico sound and some of those areas you'll get get them loaded up pretty good back in creeks and areas where there's not a ton of current but wilmington it's hard to find this finger mullet if you can find finger mullet this time of year there's going to be predatory fish around them for sure because <laughs> they do love yeah. it. um but that that's awesome so being an eye strike guy, if you were to set up, if you were going to fish fish a swim bait or an eye strike, uh, eye strike jig of your choice with a swim bait or something like that, what would your what would your go to be for speckle trout? Um, Texas eye, the Texas with a five eye. inch Z man, five inch Z man. Do you find yourself yeah. fishing uh, soft plastics more for trout, or do you like hard baits? I like hard baits better. I like hard baits better. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I have. That's what I'm comfortable with more. So yeah. I'm throwing mostly a twenty seven MR. The um, the uh, 
uh, Miradine XL. Yeah. Heck yeah. And they came out with the heavy Dean, the 28 MR that works really well for me too. Cause well, like I said before, they, they got pushed deeper into, into deeper water. So I'm, I'm targeting them in, in 10 feet of water mostly, but those ledges off of those 10 foot, foot spots are about 15 to 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll be on those so, transitions. Yeah, that's, you know, this actually has taught me a lot more about speckled trap than, than, or at least behavior than, than I knew before, because I mean, it, it certainly taught me a lot more patience because I'm casting this heavy Dean or this, this 28 MR and I'm literally waiting 20 seconds before I do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm standing up on this kayak. I cast it out across my hands, you know, across my arms and just kind of count down and wait and wait and wait. And, you know, 20, 20 seconds, 15, 20 seconds later, I start, I start working it back, but really slowly. Yeah. It's taught me a ton of patience. And, I mean, it's been fruitful for me. So, um, kind of a, a, another tool in the, in the tool bag, so to speak. Because prior to that, I, I didn't have patience for six feet of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a 27 MR. And that was like, what, five second wait. Right, for sure. So... I would say fishing 10 feet of water or more with a 27, if you have to have a conversion, I feel like right. with, with pretty quickly to, to stick with it. You know what I mean? To, to fish something that slow that deep. I'm not saying within the first 10 minutes, but like if I went and fished all day like that and didn't, yep. didn't at least catch a fish or two, I'd be like, you would very quickly start to doubt if it worked or if your bait was where it needed to be. So did you kind of, were you just married to that idea of fishing it that slow or did you kind of stumble into fishing that bait that slow in deep water? Um, I stumbled into it. Stumbled into so it. So I, I literally, you know, when I started fishing deeper water, I would wait less time. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I vary the retrieve every five to 10 casts until I figure out what they're, what they're, what they're responding to. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got super close to the bottom and working it very slow. So, so your typical, your typical, uh, you'll hear from people more often than not twitch, twitch, pause, twitch, twitch, pause, twitch, twitch, pause, right. Right. For, for a, a twitch bait for a mirror, uh, mirror lures. Um, I stumbled onto steady retrieves, super slow, steady retrieves, infrequent twitches, seemed to work for me best from uh, 2020 on, on to now. So yeah. that's pretty much what I'm doing. Uh, awesome. and, and sometimes, you know, I mean, as soon as, as soon as the sun starts coming up, they get real active. So you, you like active near the surface and I'll vary my retrieve based on that. So I won't let it sink as, as deep and I'll work it quick, a little bit quicker. Yeah. Heck yeah. Those uh those bites, man, on a twenty seven, one of decent sized trout eats it are so fun. I can only imagine in oh, one dude. or two. <laughs> yeah, half I got into, every time. I got into a couple of good corky bites in in about twelve to eighteen feet of water. God. And you know, I, I swapped the hooks on them, put the uh, like two X hooks. Yeah. Um, and and got it to sink a little bit faster. It's still a hell of a weight. Yeah. Yeah that was awesome too yeah that that's super fun there's something satisfying about fishing something that is light and deep water and catching fish like because you know it's like <laughs> yeah. you know it's kind of difficult and so when it happens you're like heck yeah like another one under my belt but 
Um, have you played around with like the lead strips or anything like that on your hard baits, or do you feel like that I slow did. sink is still important? Uh, no, I so the twenty seven MR is like putting a bunch of lead lead strips on on a twenty seven because that's what I used to do. Okay, uh, years ago when I first really started targeting trout, and I was still in slightly deeper water. Uh, so so I've done it before when the twenty sevens come out. Uh, or the one the twenty seventh or twenty eighth came out. Man, you know, uh, uh, the first time I fished it was in in about four to six feet of water, and just to just to play around with it when when they came out. And man, you look at it and you're thinking, "Good lord, this thing sinks like like a rock." Yeah. But when you're in twenty, you know, when you're in ten to twenty feet of water, it it sinks fast at first, and then that that leader. And the line start catching up and slows down that that descent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems to work out. To me, uh, I'm always on the retrieve. I rarely let it roll. So the slow, you get it down to the depth you want it to to be, and then as long as you get that nice, slow, steady retrieve, um, I'm not really catching them on the pause as much as as other people do. Yeah. So the majority of, of of the big trap that I've gotten here recently uh, has been on a very slow retrieve on okay. the go. Gotcha. Heck yeah. Yeah, you you're not gonna you're not gonna miss that bite if you're just slow rolling it and getting whacked on a hard bait like that. You're yeah, gonna, they were. Ate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I did go through a couple of sessions with with a few good ones where um, it was tail hook only. You know, really? the tail troubles only and barely hooked. I just mean, just came up by the it. skin. Yeah. Wow. Just smacked a little bit and I reacted in time and, and I played it well enough to keep them on. Yeah. Now, fishing a big, like a, a hook with, or sorry, let me start over. Fishing a hard bait with trebles in that deep of water, I feel like your rod choice is pretty darn important. Like, what, what do you feel like the right rod for trebles on big fish in deep water is? I'm not that technical, to be quite honest with okay. you. Okay. <laughs> the softer <laughs> tip is important, though, wouldn't you say? It, it is, yeah. So, uh, Dan Craig builds some of the most phenomenal rods, in my opinion. Uh, DC sticks, and all of his are set up. And the ones that he, he builds for me are set up for trout, where it's, it, it's oh God, what is it? Um, century rod blanks is okay. what he yeah. uses, and they've got some great flex to them. Sweet. I mean, some of these, you're thinking, man, I, I should be snapping these things, but they don't. I mean, they hold up so well. Yeah, that's But they've awesome. got a, a, a nice soft tip, and yeah, that, that certainly helps. So being a kayak angler and, and fishing for speckled trout, I noticed a second ago you said you, you like to stand up when you fish. Is that something you're always doing when you're trout fishing, or do you feel like you're better off that way, or do you sit down and fish for them as well? Uh, I, I, prefer to have, I prefer to fish tip down. Okay. Um, for whatever reason, it's just what I was, what I got used to. I'm, I'm in a kayak almost a hundred percent of the time. And when I'm fishing, I'm, I'm standing up probably 99% of the time. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I struggle I'll, I'll get to a spot out of a kayak. Yeah. Down is hard for me to, to fish. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I don't like it at all. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's especially with a mirror lure. Like uh, some guys can work like a corky or a mirror lure with, and a lot of guys like working a corky with the rod tip up. But like I, for some reason I got to bring it to my side a little bit. It doesn't always have to be down, but I, I feel more comfortable and like I have more control of the bait to my side. Now, if I was slow rolling it, maybe I could get away 
with keeping my rod tip up, but I'd imagine fishing the depth you're fishing, the rod tip up does nothing more than like make it harder to keep your bait down deep. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, if I'm standing up in a spot, whether I'm drifting or I'm anchored up, you know, in my kayak, I've got the Hobie Outback. It's super, super stable. It's got a wide, you know, nice open platform. Um, I'm literally 360 degrees casting in, in all of those different directions. I will literally just turn around standing up on the kayak and just keep casting. I'm the guy that casts a thousand times, right? Because <laughs> I'm just beaten an area to death until I figure out exactly how, how they want it presented, which angle they want it presented. I mean, sometimes you're casting into a spot and then you make a move, cast into the same exact spot at a different angle and then they react to that and then you're on them. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I can't fish sitting down in a kayak. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, it's tough. Yeah. If I'm out in the bay and I'm looking for, for big, you know, bull redfish, um, yeah, I'm probably sitting down because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, it gets, a, it gets a little bit hectic out there sometimes. For but sure. That's really the only time. For sure. If I'm out for trout or for pups, you know, up to, whatever, 32 inches, I'm, I'm standing up casting for him. Heck yeah. So you'll kind of move into an area, stand up, and you'll make your drift through the area you're wanting to fish standing and kind of readjust? Yep. You got it. Heck yeah. I'm a, I'm a new new kayak angler. I, I've, I've really uh, enjoyed fishing from one, but I'm, I'm learning. And I feel like I've got really good balance. I pull a skiff all the time. I'm, you know, pull a skiff yep. and, and swell, and I stand up in a kayak, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to kill myself in this thing. So <laughs> my balance isn't as good as I think it is. At least it's kind of funny how your body can get adjusted to, like, balancing well in certain scenarios, I've found, uh, on certain platforms. And then you switch that up. You switch how the – like the kayak rocks differently than the boat and, and yeah, being on totally. the blowing platform. So I, I, I've struggled with a little bit, but it's, Oh, uh, I've been in a boat rocking around thinking I'm going to fall over, but you know, you <laughs> right. put me in a, put me in the kayak in the same conditions and I'm completely comfortable. Yeah. So yeah, it's just something you got to get used to. For sure. For sure. And the wider the platform, the more stable the platform is, I mean, the quicker you'll get, you'll get adjusted to it. Like, um, there's, they certainly make much more stable kayaks in the Hobie kayak, the Hobie, um, but uh, or the uh, outback, uh, they've got the pro angle that's super wide, and I feel like no, nobody should have nobody should fall out of that thing. Yeah. But uh, once you get used to whatever you have, <clears throat> what do you have? Uh, I've got a P one twenty seven. It's a bona fide kayak. Oh yeah, yeah, those are pretty stable from what I hear. Yeah, it's it's pretty stable. I, it really is the me not being used to standing up in it yet. So uh, yeah, you'll get it. It's, I'm, Keep getting, it up. I'm getting older, man. I used to surf a bunch and I, I thought balance was like my best friend. And, and now I'm like, golly, I got to relearn some of this stuff, but dude, getting, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I grew up skating and surfing. That was my thing. Yep. And, and that's why, I mean, I, there's, there's that connection between surfing and fishing. I just never got into it, but yeah, I'm with you hundred percent for sure. And, and, and don't sell yourself short. I'm turning 50 this weekend. And if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll remind <laughs> myself that I'll remind myself. That. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send, if I do fall out, I'll send you a picture of me, uh, dripping wet though. Climbing back into the kayak. <laughs> I hope you don't fall in, in this cold water. Oh, I know. Golly, it would stink. But well, man, before we wrap this up, if someone, you know, say someone's never caught a, a big speckled trout, what would be your biggest tip for them wherever they live? What would be your best tip for going out and grinding and catching, catching a citation? Uh, um, 
find a trap first, right? Yeah. Find find a find a, a massive trap first. Don't be uh, how do I say this? Don't be discouraged if you're catching 13, 14, 15 inch fish because those big ones are lurking nearby. Like I, I when I first started, I, I always heard that if you're catching you're you're catching something or a trout less than 15, 20 or uh, 18 inches, then you probably should move out of the way. Man, I've caught some of the biggest of, you know, of my time. Uh, some of the biggest fish that I've caught have been around smaller trout. Okay. You know, in my opinion, they use those as food sources as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, commit to a spot that you know you've had success with before and and work the heck out of it until they come around because they're everywhere they're patrolling they're moving around they're on the move it's a whole lot of the right timing and once you find that right timing you might be able to you should be able to duplicate duplicate it heck yeah no that that's a good word man that i feel like so often that that mindset of like oh i need to be around bigger trout to catch a real big one but i've i've talked to multiple people like yourself that catch big ones out of areas with a lot of the 13 to 15 inch fish in them. So I'm with you. I've, I've, I've I've thought that theory as well, that they eat those smaller fish. So, yeah, I mean, you, you're in a, you're in a mess of 13 inch fish, right? Right. 15 inch fish cast along the edges of where you're catching the majority of those until you, until you get something a little bit bigger or until you get your, the one that you want. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That makes sense. Well, man, thank you so much for jumping on and doing a podcast with me. That was so much good information. I love talking uh, talking to guys about speckled trout. And, man, been stoked for a year to get you on and finally did it. So uh, I do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I thank you so no much. Worries. Tell people uh, where, your Instagram handle so they can come check out your, your awesome fish on your Instagram. Oh, uh, Cloud Break Mods. All one word. It's Cloud Break M-O-D-S. Sweet. And I will link that you guys in the show notes. So it'll be a little bit easier, but if you want to see some big Virginia speckled trout, you need to follow them. But man, thank you so much for coming on. Right on. Thanks for having me. For sure, guys. Thanks for checking out another Eastern current episode. And as always, we'll see you next week later. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina first mate out of South Carolina. Carolina first mate is a family owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.